And then she said, why don't you love yourself enough to do the same for yourself? Welcome to Phoenix Forged, the podcast that proves when you're forged in fire, you become strong as steel. I'm your guide, Samantha Sierra. Join me and my guests from around the world as we share our stories of triumph after trauma. Topics discussed during these conversations are hard. The stories may be difficult to hear, but they're important. They're proof that your past doesn't define your future. You do. Hi, guys. It's me, Sam. And today I have Miss Sabine. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a retired serial entrepreneur. I'm an author now and a podcaster and a coach, life coach, a mindset coach. And my greatest bliss is writing. So I spend most of my days writing because I just love it and pouring my heart and soul into the keyboard at this point (laughs) and sharing my experiences with people. That's incredible. I feel like you're living my dream life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a little bit older than you are, so you're on the right track already. I'm just going to manifest it. Yes. (laughs) So obviously we're here because you're a phoenix. Yes. So uh, care to share with us how you earned your wings? Yes. So um, about four years ago, I was surprised in my sleep in my home by somebody and being strangled and then beaten up and then attempted to rape me. And I got away before that happened, then um, started the long journey of you know, legalities and fighting the system more than anything. I was in pretty bad shape. I had PTSD pretty badly. I I was afraid to go to sleep after that and to be alone. And so I, I started working out and I, I, today I know it saved me and, and it changed my life and it's turned into one of the greatest blessings that came out of this because I discovered a whole new lifestyle. I'm in the best shape of my life at 51 or 52 two now actually I just turned 52 <laughs> I forgot uh, <laughs> and yeah I feel better than ever which is like that's that's the phoenix right I yeah. mean uh, to come out of this better than you were before it's pretty amazing yeah so that's honestly like a deep fear like you're home you're sleeping yes, you're right. you're that's supposed to be your sanctuary the place that you feel the most safe Mm-hmm. How was that aspect of like not having that safety anymore? For a while, I tried to control it with <laughs> alcohol and sleeping pills. You know, um, I mean, you're never prepared for something like that, you know, and I, I know I'm not proud of how I dealt with it, but that was the only way I knew how at the beginning. And I took sleeping pills for months trying to like go back to sleep, you know, and yeah, the alcohol that was, I, I realized I was going down a really bad road. And yeah, I, and then I realized there, there was actually in the complex I live in, there's a, 
retail space in the front and an F45 opened up. And so they gave us as residents free trial classes. And uh, I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> they worked on me long enough. I'm just going to go, whatever. So I did. And I remember coming back and we're talking 50 steps, like from the, <laughs> from the front to my house. I barely made it. And I remember opening the door and just laying down on the floor. And I was like... <laughs> I think I'm going to have a heart attack. This was so awful. But then I realized, actually, I feel better. Like emotionally, I feel better. Mm-hmm. And starting at that point, I went sometimes two and three times a day. I went back in there. Oh, wow. Just to get that high again. Say, okay, I can, I can do this. I can deal with this. I can get out of bed. Like it makes me get out of bed and stay out of bed for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was it was incredible. It, it came to a point where I lost so much weight. I actually competed. They had a worldwide competition. And uh, I became like first female uh, highest body percentage fat loss <laughs> like yeah, no kidding I like live in this place and then I was barely 100 pounds and I I was like and now what and then COVID hit and they closed and I was like oh no oh no and then I went to a friend of mine and I said hey he has a nutrition store I said do you know anybody who can work with me I need to keep this up I was like an addict like oh my god I I wasn't drinking anymore you know I was like I started to feel better and stronger and uh he said yeah there might be somebody and so he got me in touch with a gym owner gyms were closed at that time and, and so he called me and he said oh you can come in I'll look at you and see if you're worthwhile and I'm like Jeez. Okay. So I went in there and he's like, take your clothes off. Let me look at you. I'm like, gosh. Okay. So I took my clothes off and I'm standing. He's like, yeah, you have potential. I mean, that was four years ago. So I was like 47, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was not in good shape. I was like 35% body fat. I was not in good shape. <laughs> but then by then, like I had lost a lot of the body fat, but I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I wasn't a bodybuilder. Right. Uh, and he said, I'll take you on, but I'm not going to fucking babysit you. Ooh. Like, okay. So he and I worked out every day in there in the dark, no light, no AC because gyms had to stay closed, mm-hmm. sweating our asses <laughs> off. It was so hot. <laughs> and uh, oh my God, it was the best time. It was the best time of my life. He trained with me every day and I fell in love with bodybuilding. I Today, I'm like one of the strongest women in the gym. I leg press over 650 pounds. Woo! Yeah, I'm like, and I love that lifestyle and it changes everything because when you do that, you also watch what you're eating. You watch how much water you drink, how much you sleep. You know, there's really very little alcohol because it's so counterproductive. You're like, Mm -hmm. what? I just spent three hours in the gym. I'm not going to drink, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it changed everything. It, It was beautiful. And a year later, I actually got the Los Angeles Inspire Award for the journey I had been on and what I had accomplished, like within a really short time. And uh, at one of the bodybuilding shows, yeah, I received the award. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. This is Phoenix rising, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it was a beautiful thing. And I never try to convince people to go into bodybuilding. But uh, I I feel like it's more about when you're in such bad shape, like emotionally, 
Mm -hmm. uh, psychologically, you got to find something that makes you feel alive. Mm. And for me, it was that. Now I'm trying to step back a little bit because I'm an extremist and I really pushed this really, really far. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. I can't keep going like this. Like, <laughs> this is too much. I like six out of seven days a week. I spent three hours a day, you know, and it's, it's a, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to now say, okay, you don't need to, because I feel like when we go into extremes, it's a divergence. And I, I'm realizing right. that, you know, and I feel like, no, you're okay. You don't need to hold on that tight anymore. You know, you're today, you're fine. Chill. Do you remember when that switch happened? Is that like more of a recent where you're like, I'm actually okay now and I don't need this in order to be okay? Because in the beginning, it was very much, I need this to be okay. Yes, I was. I mean, when I found out the gyms were closing, I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I was freaking out. Mm -hmm. It was a lifeline for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was very recent, actually. Just, I want to say, in the last couple of months, really, because I I realized that I'm finishing a chapter in my life. I recently sold my company, and I, like I always say, retired, because I mm -hmm. will never, like, retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I have way too much energy. I am reassessing everything. I'm reassessing where I live. I'm reassessing what I do. And when I get up in the morning, like, I don't sit in a anymore like this is all about at this point pure joy and as much mm -hmm. as I love working out but I also realize the extremism like I said I think it's a divergence and I I can let go of that I don't need that security as a security blanket anymore and so I, I went to Europe for a month and I came back a couple of weeks ago and it was a really I felt like it was a good cut to say, okay, you're going to take a break because you're going to travel for a month and you can't really work out like that mm -hmm. anywhere else. Like I have a coach here and everything. So it's a cut. And Did you work out at all? I went once with my daughter. She's like, mom, let's go work out. And, and we did, but it was, it was more playful. It was, mm -hmm. you know, and that was it. And the rest of the time, I just did a lot of hiking, a lot of walking, and uh, I was very active, but mm -hmm. I I didn't lift weights. And since I've come back, it's been two weeks now. I'm almost, I'm almost ashamed to say it. I've only gone to the gym three times. How does it feel to like acknowledge that you almost feel shame for not going to the gym? I feel a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like really? I mean, or I say, oh, no, I didn't work out today. And then I, my boyfriend actually asked me, he's like, but didn't you go for a walk this morning? I said, yeah, but just for an hour, like I went running. And he's like, people call that working out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's not working out. So I, I'm, and again, like I'm not. See, and I'm even like justifying it. I'm not not doing anything at all. Like I go running, I go for a walk for an hour. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I take my bike and I go bicycling. Like I do things, you know. Mm -hmm. But I am not doing like right now. I'm not doing the extreme of like powerlifting and like really super heavy stuff. And yeah. I, I am trying to get used to that new version of me. I love that. I absolutely love that because it's it's funny how we it's funny how we define things for ourselves that other people are like, what are you talking about? That's not what this means. Like for you, right. like you work out every day, whether you go to the gym or not, but you're like, no, that's not working out. That's just running. Yes. <laughs> No. If I don't lift, I don't know how many pounds, then nah. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a good workout. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, and I know like once I, I have a big move ahead, I'm moving into the German Alps by the end of the year. And I'm very much looking forward to diversifying my activities a little bit mm -hmm. of like when I was there now, I went hiking every day and I want to do cross country skiing and like, I want to do other things. Yeah. And just feel and give, I, I know I've put a lot of stress on my body, the way I was training. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked amazing incredible but it's a lot of stress and i i know when i went on my trip it took me a good three weeks to get rid of all the pain and um and just feel normal again you know like i, I was like i haven't felt like this in like four years wow okay and but it it's also body dysmorphia it's like oh my god but look all the muscles going away yeah you know, what, was like, what are you talking about i'm like no seriously look it's gone <laughs> that's so it is crazy i know it's crazy I'm aware of it, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm hey, dealing with it. Awareness <laughs> is important because yes. without that, then then what do you have? Like you, if you're not aware of who you are, what you feel, what you look like, all of those things, then how are you supposed to move forward? How are you supposed to grow? How are you supposed to step into that next cycle or that next version? Right. And I, I think it's also to not take yourself too seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can laugh about myself and I'm like, you're crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, and yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's just, it's another change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that has to do with it too, is because especially as a woman, when you feel like during the attack, I, and the guy was big, like big guy, mm -hmm. heavy guy. I had no chance. Like back then I didn't work out and I like, I probably wouldn't have had a chance anyways. But mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things why the bodybuilding was so, it felt so right to me is also because I felt like I didn't want to be weak anymore. Mm -hmm. Because in during the attack, I kept thinking, there's no point to fight this. He wants to kill you. He's going to kill you. Like you have no chance. There's no, mm -hmm. and I, it was really weird because in my head, head I was okay with that I was like yeah no there's nothing you can do just let it happen how did that feel it was I don't know if I can say this right but I'm just gonna say it the way it felt like mm -hmm. it felt like I was at peace with that because I knew that this wasn't my fault mm -hmm. you know and there was just nothing physically I could do nothing like I wasn't prepared for this I had never taken self-defense classes like there was I have no weapons like I was not prepared for this at all. So I like it was there was this piece that came over me where I was like, it is what it is. Whatever's going on, I like I have there's nothing I can do. And but at the same time, the way he was talking to me, the questions he kept asking me, I I gave it back. Like he asked me things and I was like, fuck you, man. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, I was like, I have a voice. I might not have the muscles. I might not have the strength, but I am not going to not say anything or not going to tell you what you want to hear. No. Mm. Now you... You knew this person. Mm -hmm. How was that experience knowing that somebody that you knew came into your home, into your space that I'm assuming had been there before? How did it feel to have that betrayal in the moment? The thing is, I never would have expected that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was shocked. I was like, what is going on? What's wrong with you? What is going on? You know, right. he was definitely under the influence of I don't know what. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what he told me afterwards. And he said, I, I don't know what came over me. I don't know what I was thinking. And it was just such disbelief. <laughs> 
like what <laughs> I, it felt like a nightmare like this is not real yeah like, like i'm gonna wake up real. yeah like no um yeah that's all like it was such a shock for this to happen now you said that he attempted to rape you how did you stop the assault how did you end up not getting raped uh because he was under the influence of something and somehow he wasn't like i saw for a second i saw an opportunity to get out from under him um he had pinned me down on the sofa and I somehow I could roll over and like from under him and he wasn't quick enough to grab me mm. and I ran out the door and because it was downstairs and my neighbors had heard me scream and the, the thing is the complex I, I just recently moved into this complex and there's 52 units and there was only me and this other couple living here the rest of the complex was completely empty Ooh. it was still under construction so I knew like nobody's it's gonna hear me yeah. but they were there so and i had met them i knew them and i was like this is the like I, that's the only place i can run to that's close enough for me to like get away so the moment i ran over to their door the door opened because they had heard me scream they were like what is going on right and they were right there. So, and then they took me in and, you know. That's incredible. That. Yeah, I was very lucky. <laughs> very lucky. Talk about like the universe giving you something, huh? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I so I think it was also that I just didn't want to feel weak anymore. And it's, it's interesting once I started to get bigger and I started to gain muscle and people would make comments like, I wouldn't want to mess with you, mm -hmm. you know, like, which was like... Yes, yes. <laughs> like it made me feel so good, and and it it gave me a confidence that I would walk into places where maybe before I would feel uncomfortable, or mm -hmm. like a parking structure, or you know those kind of places as women where we're like, you gotta put your put the keys between your fingers yes. and make sure that yeah. you unlock the door, have the have the key ready, all the right. things that women go through. Right, exactly. And today I and this might be false confidence. I don't know. But it, there's something about that where today I feel a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. And I feel a lot safer because I look different. And I think um, I'm like people think about it twice, whether they're going to mess with me or not, you know, like, I, I there's this air about me too, which is a little different than it was before. Like, if you would see pictures of me from before and after you'd be like, that's the same person. Crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you said false confidence. Um, is there false confidence when it comes to feeling good about yourself and your capabilities? Well, see, there's no false confidence when it feels that when it's about feeling good. That's not the problem. But I think when it comes to capabilities, like would I really be able to defend myself against a 300 pound man? Uh, probably not. <laughs> But that's, you know, I also believe that we radiate out the way we feel inside, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I feel like um, we have a presence where people think, oh, that's an easy victim or, uh, you know what? No, <laughs> let's not, yeah. you know, um, and you carry yourself differently too. So, and I, I feel like, especially because also, you know, um, that most of these things happen be 
between people that know each other. Like there's a really, I don't remember what the percentage was, but it's a really high percentage rate that these mm -hmm. things don't happen with strangers. I think if we present ourselves, if we carry ourselves in a certain way in social settings, then yeah, I, less, I think- Become less of a target. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But when it comes to capabilities, I don't know. Like- no. Yeah. Yeah. So my, when I was younger, um, I had a significant amount of trauma when I was in my teammate teenage years and my mom was in a very abusive relationship and I had lived with her for, I want to say two years before I had met my ex-boyfriend. And she, at that point was the mental abuse, psychological abuse. At that point, the abuse had been physical and I, I was so accustomed to it that it was normal to my right. life, you know? So I met this guy and everything seemed fine. He seemed like this great guy. Because the abuse with my mom had become so normal, I missed all of the red flags right. with my ex. Looking back now as an adult, looking back at, you know, 15-year-old Sam, I was the perfect victim for my ex. I, I like... He saw me from a mile away. Right. And like now am I, you know, we were talking earlier before uh, we started recording, like I'm so grateful for my trauma now and I'm grateful for the things that I've been through. But like, there's always that thing of like, could I have done it differently? If I would have just been confident and like, no, I'm not like, who the hell are you to tell me how, what I can wear or how I can do my right. hair or what makeup I'm going to wear? Like if I would have been able to stand up for myself, would I have been able to prevent some of the things that happened? So it's like, like I, the thing that I'm struggling now with most is forgiveness. Hmm. And there are some things that you can forgive people for. I am getting to the point where I feel like I can forgive him. I don't think I need to work on that as much. I'm working on forgiveness for myself. And that has been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey because if I forgive myself, then it's like, do I then have to accept blame and accountability for the things? And growing up, I was taught that lesson, you know, oh, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. It's like, well, I don't want to forget. Right. So now I'm kind of pulling those two things apart. And it's like, I can forgive, but I don't need to forget. No. Because those things made me who I am today. And now I'm right. grateful for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think everything that we experience, well, if we're ready, we can turn those into gifts. And they're beautiful gifts. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about this, you know, that there's a book by Lisa Nichols called The Gifts That Come Wrapped in Sandpaper. Like, that's what this is, you know. And I think what you experienced as a child, you know, that also wasn't your fault, you know, that you didn't ask for that. And that's that had nothing nothing to do with you. So um, that programming you received back then that you took with you into your adulthood and then became a victim to the next one, you know, that's not your fault. You know, that I, I honestly, like I have a long history of trauma too that started my childhood. And I am very well aware that I would not have allowed the things that have happened to me, whether it was in a long, really, I was in a long relationship that was emotional abusive for 22 years. 
And then I got attacked by somebody that I knew. And also I did not see the red flags before where other people were like, well, I saw that coming. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, that's always, come on. <laughs> yeah. But okay. Uh, I agree. I agree that there was things and that maybe I needed to experience that to really learn like, mm -hmm. and to really grow, outgrow this and be a different person today. And I would never put up with the kind of crap that I put up with in yeah. any of these, you know, but I don't blame myself. I don't because what happened to me as a kid, that wasn't my fault. I was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, and I have forgiven everybody. I've forgiven people from my childhood. I've forgiven what happened to me four years ago. Absolutely. Because, and not for, for them, but for myself. Yeah. I remember a few, I don't re remember how long ago after the attack it was, but I remember it wasn't too long. I want to say it was a few months afterwards. I remember standing in the shower and all of a sudden I got this vision of making it through this river. Like the river was really wild and crazy and I was making it through that river to the other side and I got out on the other side and I turned around and I saw my attacker standing on the other side of that river. Mm. And for me, I started crying out like there was such relief. And I knew for me, that was a huge turning point because I knew that I had forgiven him mm. and that now I could go on, that I had left all of this craziness behind and I could go on. And that was, oh God, what a relief that was. And I, I, I worked with a spiritual uh, coach back then. And like the whole forgiveness part was a big one for me because I was like, how I, like, I wanted to just get rid of it. Like I didn't want to carry it around anymore. And I said, how do I do that? I tried all kinds of things from like throwing stones into the ocean to like all <laughs> kinds of things. I was like, I just, I don't want to carry this on me anymore. I want to get yeah, rid of it. That burden. Yeah. And the thing she said to me, which changed everything is, and I'm not a religious person, person, I'm a spiritual person, but she quoted from the Bible where it said, forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. Mm. And that changed everything. Yeah. It, for me, that was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if there was ever any thought, like, did he ever think that he did anything wrong? Did he ever understand what I felt? And when I first started my mindset journey, he actually called me out of the blue. I guess he had found my number on Facebook or something. And I wasn't ready. And all of the hundreds conversations that I've had with him in my mind of, oh, if I ever talk to this person again, I'm going to say this, 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 and this, and I'm going to make them hurt. I'm going to make them feel what I felt. And nothing, nothing. I, I broke down and cried and mm -hmm. deleted his number. And I think that that's one of the things that, um, that's one of the biggest regrets that I have because it's something that I closed the door on permanently and I'll never be able to have a conversation with him and ask him like what the fuck were you thinking but I'm at the point now where I'm like how would that help me because knowing the how manipulative and the gaslighting techniques he would have made me feel like it was my fault again right. <laughs> so right. it's like I guess you know, a decade ago, part of me knew that I just needed to not have that closure so that I could have closure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is, when people do things like that, we know that there's something, how can I say this in the best way? Like something is wired differently. Mm -hmm. And that's 
either they have comprehended that and they are working on themselves and then they know that they did wrong Mm -hmm. or they don't know. And then any conversation you will have with that person is like, they're going to continue doing what they've done to you in the past. And either way, it's not your job. Mm -hmm. Your job is just to take care of yourself. Yeah. And to just know and say, hey, you know what? They really, they did the best that they could. They did not know what they were doing Mm -hmm. because something is wired differently. And I'm not, that's why I'm saying it like that because I'm not judging it or whatever. It's like, it's just wired differently. They do things that a healthy person would never do. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's one things that we need that closure, like to have that last conversation, but we really don't Mm -hmm. because it's no longer about them. Right, right. At this point, it's just about you. Right. So after you had your vision of the the river and everything, were you going through, because you pressed charges, you went after him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, did you have that release before, during, or after the whole legal process? So that was, again, I don't know, maybe two, three months after it happened. Mm -hmm. But I went to the police and pressed charges. The incident happened on a Friday night and on Sunday morning. And really, I didn't want to go to the police. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to deal with it. I was physically in really bad shape and emotionally, of course, also. But... Um, I was like, I can't, I don't have it in me. And I, I was driving my daughter and she was like 14, 15 at the time. I was driving her on a Sunday morning to a tennis practice and she was sitting next to me and she said, mom, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And I said, nothing, it's going to be okay. Nothing. Right. And then she said, before she got out of the car, she said, mom, if this had happened to me, what would you do? And I said, I'll kill her. Yeah. And she said, no, really, what would you do? I said, okay, of course not. But I would go to the police and make sure he gets what he deserves for what he did to you. Right. And then she said, why don't you love yourself enough to do the same for yourself? Mm, out of the mouth of babes. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I started crying. I was like, oh, my God. And she went off to a tennis practice and I drove off and then I pulled up and I'm like, oh my God, how, how can I ever look in my daughter's eyes when anything bad happens to her and say, you got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. She's going to hold this against me for the rest of my life. You're going to say, mom, you didn't. Yeah. So from there, I drove straight to the police and started the process. So I, I really, back then I did it for her. So she would know that you need to stand up for yourself. When something, somebody does you wrong like that, you need to stand up for yourself. You cannot let the slide, not for yourself and not for anybody after you, because he's done that once he's going to do it again. Mm. So being the daughter of somebody who witnessed her mom be assaulted, um, do you realize the gift that you've given your daughter by doing that? You know, I, I often now look at her, she's 20 now, and I am so proud of her, mm-hmm. the way she lives her life. And we ha- we're extremely close, the conversations mm-hmm. we have about everything and anything about, you know, guys and about, you know, 
I'm so proud of her. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, thank God, thank God I, I was strong, you know, in front of her mm -hmm. and I showed her, I was weak also, but I was also strong and, um, I'm sure she's, you know, it had an impact on her life. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I can tell you most definitely that it did. Yeah. So I feel like she's many years ahead of me. <laughs> 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 it's interesting how trauma shapes not only the person affected by it, but those who are surrounding the person who's affected by it. Yeah. So like when she sees you, even though you felt weak, having that strength and going and pressing charges and how long was the legal process? Like how long from pressing charges to did he get any time or anything after? No, no, there was a lot of other political stuff involved. So mm. he didn't, he got probation, but uh, it was about a year and a half. And, and it took long because of COVID, you know, everything was delayed. It was like chewing gum. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and it, so often the traumatic event isn't even the worst part because it, it happens and then it's done and it's over with. Right. It's all of the other stuff that comes after. It's the it's the what ifs that live in your mind after. It's the what could I have done differently or what did I do to deserve this or all of these things that you have to go through after. And then yeah. adding in the legal process and a pandemic <laughs> and trying to do all of that stuff. Let's throw another little curveball into this, right? <laughs> Like it, it's not even, yes, the event was traumatic in and of itself, but all of the other things compound that right. and make it worse. I, th the system is definitely not on our side. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they try to make you feel like, like the other person's the victim, mm -hmm. like the bruises that I had all over my body. And I had a, like my toe was broken and like the front and the back was completely bruised. And in court, they would say, um, so prove to us that he did that. I said, well, there is the pictures. And, you know, my neighbors heard me scream for my life. Mm -hmm. They were witnesses and they were like, well, yeah, but did they see him actually hitting you? And I said, no, they weren't there for that. They came after. And I said, well, so theoretically, you could have thrown yourself down the stairs. Mm. I'm like, I want to do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it's not on your side. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, like, what? What? I was like, why? Why would I do that? Do you oh. think that that this system that's supposed to provide you with justice, painting you or or painting your assaulter as as the victim, do you think that that traumatized you even more? I think it definitely made it worse. Yeah, it was it. It's also, you know, trying to get help uh, in as in like finding an attorney, you know, who I had the first attorney that I had was a chauvinistic pig. Like it was just so awful. I was like, I can't I, like I'm getting assaulted just going to the office, you know, <laughs> and I'm not I don't have a thin skin like I I can like yeah. dish it out. I'll give it back, you know. Yeah. But no, like this is awful. And right. really, like you said, the, the assault, okay, that's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it was, you know, and then you recover from it. It's over. But what comes after is really, it's, it's, 
it's even worse, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, that's why so many people don't come forward. Yeah. And I, I feel like I always thought afterwards, I'm going to do some work in this area because I just learned so much from this. And if I had to give advice to people, say your chances of getting assaulted like this are really high. So go and take a self-defense class. Like that would be my first point of advice. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is the big mistake that I realized I made, and but I don't blame myself for it because I got hit on the head so hard. Like I couldn't even think straight. Like I don't even remember afterwards passing out and laying like a fetus rolled up on the floor in the corner like I woke up the next morning like that and um I don't even like re recall any of that but gosh I wish I would have called the police right then and there mm. that would have helped me in my whole defense you know like that's another thing like if you remember nothing else you're so out of it call 911 like and my neighbors at the time like I'm grateful they were there and they saved me but I wish they would have called 911 mm. like I wish somebody would have called 911 if you ever encounter a situation like that call 911 you will right. save yourself a lot of pain and struggle I mean but I didn't know like I was not prepared for this and I was so out of it I couldn't like I couldn't think anymore I right so I don't blame myself for it but like they weaponized no it else. yeah mm. so if nothing else do those two things and it will take you a long way it will save you a lot of struggles what did your support system look like throughout the process who was there for you so I had a girlfriend that recently went through, at the time, um, a um, domestic abuse situation. So she was there. She encouraged me uh, to go to the police. She went to the police with me. She was there during the court hearings. I couldn't have done it without her. Mm. Like, you know, that you need to have somebody you can trust and somebody who, like a shoulder to cry on, somebody who will hold you up and, yeah. you know, and push you forward and say, go, you can do this. I know you can do this. You know, mm -hmm. she would drive me to court. Like, I couldn't have done it without her. Really. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my friends, uh, Rachel Lemon, she, you know, we hear all the time about vicarious trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you are in, situations where you're around people who have went through trauma experience trauma and you listen to all the stories and take that on that you will internalize that and you'll become mm -hmm. tra traumatized from it and that was a fear of mine starting this show I'm like okay am I strong enough to be able to take on all these stories of people's trauma and not traumatize myself or re-traumatize myself so before I even started this I had to I really had to do some soul searching to mm -hmm. make sure that I was in a place where I would be able to do that. Rachel is incredible and she talks about vicarious resilience and ha like having people around you that are supportive and resilient and strong and who just by being around them makes you resilient. I believe that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she also, she just recently, like, I don't know if you feel the same way you probably do. Um, I hate the word victim or survivor. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Just because something had like, I'm not, I don't want to be a survivor of something right. like it's such a shitty label to your box to be put in. And her and I had talked about it and we talk about it often and until very recently, um, she's like, I hate the word survivor. Like we need a better word for people mm -hmm. who go through trauma. And um, she's found it. It's what is it? Survivor. 
Oh. Yeah. I'm like, I am so taking that. And that's, I love that. yeah, I'm a survivor because oh, yeah. all that stuff that happened to me, all it did was make me the badass that I am today. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm thriving because of it. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said earlier, I don't think I would be in the shape that I am today, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for everything that I've experienced in my life. I mean, there's so much to this yeah. life that I've lived. Um, yeah, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud yeah. of who I am today and who I have become. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I'm, I'm currently writing on a book. Uh, it's from achieving to becoming because I was, you know, I think many of us are programmed to achieve, you know, achieve yeah. things <laughs> yep. and it's very stressful and it's not that anymore. For me, it's not. Mm -hmm. Today it is about becoming and I'm proud of who I have become and who I am still becoming and there's it's 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 a beautiful journey mm -hmm. and it's exciting and i know there's still there's always going to be hard you know patches and yeah. obstacles and challenges but once you've learned a few things and you know that a things always work out b things happen for a reason and they can only make you stronger yeah. it doesn't mean you don't suffer anymore in the moment yes you do but you suffer knowing that it's gonna pass yeah okay and i'm gonna come back stronger even than i ever thought i could and absolutely i 100 percent agree with you and it, it's funny because i for a very long time and up until probably the past maybe seven months at this point i was an overachiever perfected like crazy, always wanted to, you know, do the best, be the best and just achieve whatever I could. And I never really had a sense of purpose. Now that I, and you know, a friend of mine, Adam, uh, he called me out one day and he was like, you know, you got to stop because your story is important and it could help a lot of people. And that that was the catalyst of change. Like I say it all the time, like there are some people that come into your life and they add value. There are some people that come into your life and they subtract value. And then there are people that come into your life and they alter your trajectory. And mm -hmm. Adam was that person, is that person. And I am becoming who I'm supposed to be. Like I, I was put on this earth and I exist to do the work that I'm doing now. And when you are done with that book, I'm going to be the first one to buy it. <laughs> like it's so, it resonates so much because it's true. We, we go through life and it's like, well, if I do this, then I'll achieve greatness. And if I, this, and we, we keep moving the goalposts on ourselves and we keep you oh, know, yeah. it's like, oh, I'll be successful when I do this. And then we do. And it's right. like, oh, I'll be successful when I do this. And it's like, I just want to be and I want to I want to embrace the journey itself. Like there is I, I've changed my mindset on on success and like success is no longer a destination. Success is the whole entire journey, the, the failures, the growth, the setbacks, the achievements, all of it. It's all success. So you could be writing the book with me. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's of us redefining success for us on our own personal intimate terms of whatever that yeah. is. You know, and that's, I had um, probably, I'm going to say two, three years ago, I fell into the greatest depression I had ever been because I realized I had checked all my boxes. Mm. 
I realized, oh, you achieved it all. Financial independence, kids are grown, like everything I wanted, I had on my vision board was all done. Check, 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 check. And you would think you're like, yes. Oh, and I was like, now what? Oh my God, now what? Am I going to set my bar even higher? That is crazy. The hamster wheel is going to go even faster. And for what? So then I can turn it up a notch again when I achieve that. For what? And I felt like I had lost my North Star. I felt like I had lost my compass. I'm like, I don't know what I'm aiming for anymore. What am I doing? And that's when things started to change for me. And I was like, wait a second. And that's where the realization of the difference between achieving and becoming, you know, came in. I was like, wow, no, this is not what this is all about. We're not here to work ourselves into the ground. We're not here to suffer, Mm -hmm. but that's what we do. And that's what we put (laughs) upon ourselves. And you know, like I said earlier to you, I, I, for a while, yes, I was homeless when I was 19 in Toronto. Like I was fear driven. Yes. I had to figure out how to like, where am I going to sleep? How am I going to get food? I don't even have the money for a subway. Like you're fear driven, but there comes a point where you're like, okay, wait a second. All right. We're good. Yeah. Now reassess. How much further are you going to take this? Because from now on, it's ego. It's pure ego. Mm-hmm. You have a car, but you want a nicer car. You want a bigger house. You want to live in a better neighborhood. Like who needs it? Yeah. And how happy is that really going to make you for how long? Right. Right. So to reassess and say, okay, so really it's not about what I can accumulate, but it's about how do I want to feel? And let's tune into that feeling. Like what feeling do I want to wake up to in the morning? How do I want to feel mm-hmm. with what I do today with the book I just published and the next book I'm working on and the podcast and the coaching I do. It's hard for me to stay in bed. Like yeah. sometimes I wake up at one thirty, and I'm like, I'm ready to go. And I'm yeah. like, what? It's one thirty. Come on, please. Like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, I wake up at 3.30. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is crazy. But yeah. not because I am fear-driven anymore, but because I am so joy-driven that I'm like, can I go now, please? Like, I, my yeah. head, there's so much I want to start writing on. There's so much ideas <laughs> I have. And that's so different. And that's when we feel alive again. And yeah, I have this like giant cheesy grit on my face because so I'm 37 now and I, I had my first son when I was 17 and I packaged up all my hopes and dreams. Like I graduated high school a year early because I, there was no way in hell I was going through all that school and Mm -hmm. dropping out before my senior year. And I never thought college was going to be in the books for me. I never thought that I would be able to achieve whatever definition of success that I had dreamed. I took that box down like a year and a half ago, two years ago now at this point. And I'm going after my bachelor's degree for business. I am, I never thought that I would be in the content creation space. Like, (laughs) where how did this happen podcasting and now like i'm starting to write a book myself and my friends and and people that i know are like you have work you have school you have a family you're doing a podcast you're writing a book like how do you do all this and i'm like because there's so much passion and it just fuels me and it's like all of this stuff that everybody's like oh my god I don't know how you do it it's like this is the thing that brings me joy it 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 fills my cup so that it overflows and I can pour into others and that's the point of life is to just pour into others and move the damn needle that's it (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know, it's because people are like, oh my God, you do so much and isn't it too much and you should take more time off. And I'm like, and then what? Uh, actually, I said, all the writing that I do is completely effortless. Yeah. yeah. I sit down, I've, I wrote my first book in three weeks. Whoa. Like, it just poured out of me. I've always wanted to write a book and I was like, no, you don't know. Like English isn't even your first language. What do you think? Like, uh -uh. And people be like, nobody's going to care. I'm like... Okay, all right. Yeah, I don't need to write a book. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to publish a book. I don't know. And then I did, I started it and it just kept pouring out of me. And I, I think that's where you know you're doing the right thing. You know you're mm -hmm. on purpose yeah. when it's effortless because it's coming through you. Yeah. And yep. it's so blissful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm so excited this weekend. People are like, it's Halloween, Halloween parties. I'm like, nah. <laughs> and they're like, what do you have to do? And I'm like, I'm writing. And they're like, what? Take a break. I'm like, I don't want to take a break. No, yeah. I'm happy. I'm like, this is what I want to do. It makes me happy. It's effortless. It's just pure bliss and joy. And I like, totally I can say that. But that's the kind of work that I do. I help people find that because I know how to tune into that. I know how to read people and say, okay, let's figure out mm -hmm. what your North Star is. Let's figure out what your bliss is because most people don't know. Let's figure yeah. out what your purpose is, you know, and help you get on track of that and live a life that's so joyous that at 1.30 a.m. you're like, can we go please? <laughs> can I just go right? Yes. <laughs> Please. I know I'm going to take a nap by noon, but that's okay. Who cares? That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Sabine, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Thank you. Thank you um, for having me so much. I my, so enjoyed our time together. We could go on and on. <laughs> my absolute pleasure. And actually, before we wrap up, I ask all of my guests three questions. Okay. The first one, you have a time machine and you can go back in time and give yourself advice. What would it be? That's a good one. I would tell my younger self that she's strong and beautiful and that everything is going to be okay. Mm, love that. Question number two, if you could go back in time and change the events and have them never happen, mm -hmm. would you do it? No. No? No. I don't even have to think about that. No. <laughs> no. Because I'm happy where I'm, like, where I'm at today and who I am. Mm -hmm. And those things don't happen when everything is easy and beautiful and butterflies and, you know. No, mm -hmm. that growth happens in the trenches and you got to be there. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Final question. Future self. Mm -hmm. What are you doing today to make future you proud? I am stepping back from, from the extremism <laughs> that <laughs> I am so used to pushing myself so hard in all kinds of areas, whether mm -hmm. it's the bodybuilding or it's the amount of work that I do, or I am changing chapters right now. I'm folding over that page and I'm setting the stage for a more chill me. <laughs> I am giving myself I'm I'm being kinder to myself. Yeah. That's I beautiful. It's, it's time. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Any final words that you want to leave the guests with or the listeners with? You know, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> 
I, I think one of the biggest things to realize is that it all passes. Mm. It all does. The bad stuff, it all passes. And it's up to you to come out stronger on the other end. And the good stuff, unfortunately, all passes too. So mm. enjoy, like be mindful and be present to enjoy the beauty and the laughter and your kids, even if they're pain in the butt when they're young, but <laughs> like it all passes. The yeah. good and the bad. And yeah, I, I think that's for me, like this year, it's probably been one of the biggest realizations. Mm, presence, mindfulness. Yeah. Very important. And patience when it's not good. Yeah. Or when and it's grace. Hard. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sabine, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you Thank again you. so, so much for uh, joining me. And uh, to all those fellow Phoenixes out there, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.